I think I turned that. Yeah, I did. I guess it did turn it on, didn't I? Yeah. I like that. I can just kind of mumble, and you can hear me mumbling. Mary Ellen and I fight all the time about now that I have to have hearing aids, she mumbles all the time. many months now I've been thinking about this day somehow I never way long ago I never thought 40 years in advance I'm doing good just to get through the day. Last month, the Lord let me preach for the 40th year in Indiana at a youth camp that we've been doing all that time. And it's for one other friend that I met at Lock Haven years ago. I met Brother Dent because he was teaching at the school and I don't remember all of what went on back then, but somehow or other I also met Jim O'Neill and I didn't like Jim O'Neill. I'll tell you right off, I didn't like him. He's from Texas. To me, he was arrogant. He's not really, but to me he was back then, you know. And I remember our first meeting, he told me he was he was from Texas and he was some kind of army person. And, you know, I'm arrogant too. I got my flesh. And I said, well, I'm from Mississippi and I don't care where you're from. Of course, I was really born in Tennessee, but I don't know how to let you all know things down here in Georgia since you all got to be the champs, you know. But I'm glad that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And way back then, I didn't realize all that the Lord was going to do and how good God was going to be as He led us down the paths that we journeyed through these 40 years. But one thing I found out over 40 years, you meet people and you have friends, but you don't have very many friends that stick for ages like that. And you don't have friends that influence you greatly. As Brother Dan influenced me. When I retired from my church and moved to Tennessee, I I felt like that uh, 
I felt almost like it was before I got saved. Before I got saved, I felt like God couldn't love me. I felt like I'd crossed enough lines that God couldn't love me again. And when God put it in my heart to retire from my church, I don't know why He wanted me to move to Tennessee. But God had worked things out for me to wind up in Tennessee, so off to Tennessee we went. And I felt like that was it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything else for God at all because God just wouldn't open any doors. The longer I was there, the more I began to pray. You know, God put us in a good church, situated us under a great pastor, but He wasn't doing anything with me. I was just there. And then God began to do some things. And so I get to preach every week in an old folks' home to old folks that I don't know if they even know we're there. I mean, you know, some of them's got Alzheimer's and some of them's got dementia. You can't really tell one from the other. But we get to preach to them. One place we've been preaching for over a year and a half and we were there one week and went back the next week and two of them had died and they didn't even let us know. And now we've started preaching in the second place and we'll run about 20 people in both places. God's just blessed us to be able to do some things. If you got your Bibles open to Acts chapter ten, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna tell you what what's on my heart, and I'm thinking that you know sometimes we don't take well I'm sure I don't I don't know about you but I, I take for granted the things that God does for me and the things that I've got that God's provided that I couldn't do I know I'm taking them for granted and I know that I shouldn't and I say well I'm not going to do that again. And then I turn right around and do it again. But God has left us a wonderful, marvelous thing. He's left us the church. And I'm glad that the Holy Spirit lives in me and He lives in you. If you've been saved, I'm glad for that. But beyond that, I need something tangible. And that's the church. And as you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and allow the Lord to speak to your heart and you do things that you never thought you would do for the Lord, that is the tangible part of the church that I get to enjoy that helps me. And the book of Acts, well, it's a history book. And so there's not a thing wrong for us to record our history. And we ought to we ought to not only record it, we ought to uh, broadcast it maybe. I don't know if that's the right word. We ought to certainly take joy in it. I don't know, Brother David, if there's a picture of that old bus anywhere, but you might ought to find one. Just 
you know, one day you're going to be too old to tell the story, and you can just point to the picture maybe. We got an old lady, she's 103 in one of them services that we preach in, and they bring her in in a wheelchair, and when they're rolling her in, she's drooped over in the chair and slumped, and we got another one at the other place, she's in her 90s. Let's see, her name is Miss Clarabelle. Ain't that country? I just love it to death. When she comes in, I'll go over and say, Hey, Miss Clarabelle, how in the world are you doing today? I just love to say her name. It's country. I bet we don't have a Clarabelle in the house. Maybe somebody will have a little girl now and name her Clarabelle. They ought to carry it on. But you go to preaching and they both perk up. And they start listening. They've done decided that whatever's on TV isn't worth listening to no more. They've done decided they don't care about hearing any of the gossip of the home anymore. But when you start talking about Jesus, they perk right up. So the Lord has left us a wonderful history book. And chapter 10 is a wonderful piece of history of the church. There's a lot in this chapter that it would take me a long time to cover, and I know it's I know the hour is what it is, and I know that we're not normally here this long or whatever, but in this chapter it's a picture of the church being led of God to go do the work that it's supposed to do. And it's a picture of the yearning heart of someone that knows that they're missing something and they don't know what it is. And God works on both ends of the spectrum and puts them both together. You've got Cornelius at the park. He's a centurion. He's part of the Italian band. He is a military Roman. He's probably speaking Latin. And you've got a fisherman preacher who knows something about the grace of God and he, by his nature of being a Jew, detests this Roman. And God begins to speak to both of them in chapter 10 and tells this one, the Roman, to go down and get this one, the Jew, and tell him to come to your house where a Jew is not supposed to be. And this guy, who is the centurion of an Italian band, God tells him, this guy, the Jew's got words you need to hear. And I thought, as I'm reading this, and God's working all that out by the Spirit of God working in there, and the sole thing that He wants them both to get is the Word of God. God's left us this book. It's the most important book you'll ever pick up. It's the only book that I know of on the planet that's inexhaustible. It's the only book I know of on the planet that you can stake your life on. This book. So Peter goes, and I would say, under the inspiration of God. And Cornelius, waiting for Peter to get there, 
decides to gather a bunch of folks together. And I'm thinking, after Peter gets there and preaches the Word to them, that church, Peter, Peter brought the church to Cornelius. And Cornelius, the Bible says that all that heard, not one or two, but all that heard, believed. So this might very well be the very first Gentile church on planet earth. As a matter of fact, I don't believe there's any anywhere else, by the way. Now, I'm not a kook. But because of this, because of this little piece of history that's stuck in the pages of our Bible, you and me are part of that Gentile crowd. If it hadn't have been for them being obedient to the Spirit of God, I don't know where it would have started. But we get to be saved today because of people way back then that we never met followed the leadership of the Lord. And I'm telling you, the leadership of the Lord, we don't understand it when it's happening to us. There's so much that happens in this chapter. If In verse 42... It says, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, that's Jesus, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all them which heard the Word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they Him to tarry certain days. They didn't understand what was happening right then at the time. No more than Brother Dent knew the first time he drove out here and walked in those screen doors. I remember those doors. I remember what it looked like, David. I remember. I thought, Lord. I just, I, I couldn't see it. But then I don't see what God sees. I can only see what the flesh sees. God sees way beyond the temporal. He sees the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. He sees the end result. We're not at the end yet. <laughs> I don't know where the end's going to come. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know why I'm still here. I expected to be gone before now. I didn't expect on these days. I get up in the morning and Mary Ellen says, what are you going to do today? 
Well, I don't know. Sometimes she'll say, at night she'll say, before we go to bed, she'll say, what's your plan for tomorrow? I don't have a plan. I quit planning a long time ago. I'm just living. And when God says you've lived enough, then I'll quit living. I don't worry about all of that stuff anymore. I just want to do something for God today. I don't know what God's plan is for today, but I want to be in it. Somebody said, what's the service going to be like down there? I don't know. I said, well, whatever it is, I want to be in it. I remember a meeting here long ago. We was in that meeting. I don't know what week it was, but I was here. Brother David, do you remember? I drove all the way back to Florida, got my family, and drove all the way back up here for that one night of meeting. Because I want to be in it. Whatever God's doing in the church, I want to be in it. We went to Tennessee. I didn't know anybody in I didn't know anybody in Jackson. I didn't know any of the churches in Jackson. And I'm not suggesting that that's a way to move anywhere. I mean, I even bought a house without seeing it. We did some crazy things that we shouldn't have never done. But we were comfortable in doing it because God's in control. Now we've got we've got a great church that we're members of. Now over out in the boondocks, there's another little country church out there. The pastor's name is Mike Powell. He's as redneck as they come. He and I get along just fine. I didn't join his church because I don't know how Mary Ellen would ever drive there without me in the nighttime to get there. I mean, it's not like what you think of country. There, nothing's flat. One of the roads going to that church, it's, it floods over in a good in a good sprinkle. It'll flood over. She'd never get there at night without me. I know she couldn't. So we didn't we didn't join there. But he's a great friend. He texted me this morning to tell me he was praying for me. And he's not my pastor. I mean, I just don't know everything that God's doing, but I do know this: God's left us with the Word of God. God's left us with the church. And this Word will never change. Not one jot nor tittle will pass away. And the gates of hell never going to prevail against this church. This church is going to endure. And I remember thinking when Brother Dent passed away, I thought, Lord have mercy, who in the world will ever be able to come behind John Dent and pastor this bunch of folks. See, God probably gave you folks one of the most hard-headed preachers I ever met in my life. I mean, you just couldn't change Brother Dent's mind very easily. It might take dynamite to change his mind. He is tough, buddy. Man, my boys used to laugh about how goofy he was about some things. But he had he had that one point when he got to that one point that he was done playing. And he was dead serious then. And I thought, who in the world's gonna fill them shoes? And then God gave you all this preacher. And I want to say I thank God for you. I, I didn't know him before we come here, Brother Burke. I, I wouldn't have known you if I'd have passed you on the street. But things that you guys are doing, 
blesses my soul. When I walked in back there, he'd sent me pictures of the pulpit. But man, it looks so good. It feels good. I know we don't work on feelings and all that, but hey, it feels good. It's a great little history book. Now, can I give you all a little history? And I'll get done in just a minute. These folks right here are Gentiles speaking in tongues. Chapter 2 of the book of Acts, it was Jews speaking in tongues. In chapter 19 of this book, it's 12 disciples of John the Baptist speaking in tongues. It's the only three places in the history book of the church where there's tongues mentioned. In chapter number 8, there are folks that get saved and the Holy Ghost comes upon them, but there's no mentions of tongues in chapter number 8. You say, what am I talking I'm talking about the history of the church. And we need to get our history straight. We need to know who we are and where we come from and what we believe and where we're going. In the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, the first place where tongues is mentioned. It's mentioned once as tongues and it's mentioned once as tongues. I learned this from Brother Dent, so I know it's got to be right. If he taught me, it's got to be right. Whenever you find something first in your Bible, actually it was taught to me in Bible school. First place you find something mentioned in the Bible, it's going to run like that all the way through your Bible. It'll never change. So in Genesis chapter number 10, the Bible says, By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after his tongue, after their families, in their nations. It's a language. Their tongue. Now you folks down here in Georgia, you all talk different than them folks up in Tennessee. They talk different up there. I lived in Florida so long I lost my I lost my dialect. I've been back in Tennessee a while, I'm beginning to get it back. But even if you're in Tennessee, if you go over to South Haven, Mississippi, they got their dialect. It's, t- it's different too. And it's right there on the border. Some of them folks in South Haven, Mississippi, they think they are in Tennessee. They just don't know the difference. So verse Verse 20 of the same chapter, it says, These are the sons of Ham, after their families, after their tongues, in their countries, and in their nation. Tongues, it's a language. So when you get to the New Testament and it says tongues or tongue, it's still language. It's not something else. And I noticed the preacher said a while ago, y'all can say what you want to, but say it in English. Well, in Tennessee, we speak English too. It's just different than Georgia English, but it's still English. And the folks speaking English understand English. Even if you're speaking the king's English from across the water, it's still English. 
But it runs the same all the way through your Bible. In the book of Revelations, chapter 17, verse 15, I'm talking about the last places in the Bible now. I want you to get the spectrum. Verse 15, and he, said, and he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. In verse 16 of chapter 16, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. It's the same thing. So church history is true. We just need to know it. And the place to find church history is start looking in the book of Acts. It's full of little sweet things. Now what happens is, in this chapter, folks read along in here, and they get that get to that point of tongues, and they lose track of what the greatest thought is. What the greatest wonder of chapter 10 is. They get all tied up with that tongues junk, and they forget about what's the best part of the history of the church. The best part. The very best part of church history. You see, the best part is that part where somebody who is the church reaches out to somebody that's not the church, tells them how to become part of the church. That's the best part. See, when I thought that God couldn't love me, God sent a man. Every time He saw me, He said the same thing every time. He would walk up to me. If I was in a crowd, He would walk up to me and He would lean over and He'd say, God loves you. I'm knocking on 71. And I might forget a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you one thing that I'll never forget. I'll never forget that God loves me. God sent a church man. He didn't send a... Listen, He didn't send a rotary man. He didn't send an Elks man. He didn't send a Masonic man. He sent a church man to tell me that God loves me and He told me long enough till I couldn't take it no more. It was hard for me to kick against the pricks just like Paul. God said, then pricks. Oh, it's hard to kick against the pricks. Now, I always, I didn't understand that. But now I understand. Back there in the Old Testament when they was moving the, moving the tabernacle around. They put that, they put that altar. They put it up on a cart, remember? And they used two oxen 
to pull it. You couldn't touch it or you'd die. It had staves in it. Certain men would pick it up and put it on the cart. And then they'd pull that cart along with them oxen. Them oxen, you had to encourage them to go. It had a long stick with a sharp point on it. And that was a goad. And they would poke them oxen with that goad. It's hard, Paul, to kick against the pricks. That big old I don't know, big old oxen, they ain't they big. And they'd poke him with that thing. He'd kick it. Poke it. He'd kick it. And God poked at me. God loves you. God loves you. And I couldn't pick. That's what that prick is. That's God the Holy Ghost. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How's He going to get everybody to come repent? He's got a special little prick just for you. Just for you. Mine's different than yours. Yours is different than mine. God knows exactly what you need to, to work in your life and what I need to work in my life. I needed somebody to come tell me that God still loved me because I thought God couldn't love me. I'm glad I'm a church man. I want to die a church man. Saturday mornings I get up and go on visitation. We go over to the church house. We gather up and have prayer. We'll do just we do just like we did this morning. Somebody got a blessing today? Somebody got a blessing this week you want to tell about? We get there about I think it's about nine thirty. It'll take some time till 10 o'clock. People talking about what God's done for them in the week. Anybody got a prayer request? He'll go through that. We'll have prayer requests for a while, and then we'll sometimes we'll separate, and the women go to one side, and the men go to the other side. And sometimes he'll even break them up in little groups, and everybody prays. They don't pray like we do down south. I don't know where they got this stuff up there. They all got to take their own little turn to pray, you know. Where instead, everybody just Go pray. Go pray. I, I don't understand that. But it's, it's okay. I don't care. I just like to go because I'm a church man and that's what our church does. And I'm going to be in the middle of it. We leave there and we go out and knock on doors. And Lord, if you ain't knocking on doors, you ought to get involved in knocking on Ain't no telling who you're going to meet if you knock on doors. I was knocking on the door the other day and I met a fellow that investigates train wrecks. I didn't even know there was such a thing. This guy got to telling me all about trains and the wrecks and the stuff. Lord have mercy. They got trains in other countries. They don't even put people on them trains. They just run them trains around with freight and everything. Ain't nobody running the thing. Somebody sitting back. The train has become a drone on tracks. And somebody somewhere else is running that thing. You meet crazy people out knocking on doors. Me and your daddy was out knocking on doors one time a long time ago when I pastored that little church in in Orlando. I don't, you don't remember? I don't think you were there. But your daddy'd come down. It was we went knocking on doors and we went and knocked up on this trailer door and this guy said, "Come on in." We did. He had a coffee table in front of his couch 
And he already had the lines laid out on that coffee table. And me and your daddy walked in there. And I, he said, what can I do for you? I said, I'm looking for John Dent. I learned that from your daddy. If he got in a place where he didn't want to be, he'd say, I'm looking for Tom Derryberry. And of course, ain't nobody got my name. Nobody had his name up there. It worked out pretty good. And we got the devil out of there before we got in trouble. If you're not knocking on doors, hey, are you listening to me? If you're not knocking on doors, you ain't doing what the church is supposed to be doing. I'm a church man. I believe in the church. If it wasn't because God left the church behind, I'd be on my way to hell today. I'm going to knock on them doors. You can witness all week long, but it ain't the same as knocking on doors. Corporate things, corporate things, that's what the church, they come together to go do it. You pray before you go, and God blesses that. We got a, we got a, we got a Marine's Marine got saved. Somebody had been out knocking on doors, just happened to knock on this Marine's door. I mean, he's a bad looking hombre. You know, he got tattoos everywhere. He's probably meaner than a junkyard dog before he got saved. I'm telling you, he's a rough-looking character. His wife ain't bigger than a minute. She's a little bitty old thing. When she sits on a pew, I don't think her feet touch the floor. She's a little bitty thing. He's a little tough. Somebody knocked on his door. Wept over. And they came to church. I'm telling you, that old boy got saved. He ain't the same Marine he was before he got saved. He's still a Marine, but he ain't the same Marine. He's a Marine with a different heart. He loves God. He loves our church. He shows up for visitation. I wouldn't mind to go knock the doors with him. <laughs> Somebody messed with him. He might knock a few heads. <laughs> church work. I'm all about church. I'm old enough now. I don't care to go a lot of places. I really don't. It's it's kind. Of, I don't. I don't know if it's supposed to be like this. I don't know if it's like this for every old couple. But Mary Ellen and I have a great time at home right by ourselves. I mean, y'all ain't recording nothing I say, are you? Well, I won't say that. <laughs> we have a good time picking at each other. We've been together so long now. It's almost 51 years. Maybe it is 51 years. I'm glad you're not recording that. Is he lying to me? At this length of time, I know what pushes her button, and she knows what pushes my button. I'm talking about church history. See, young folks, there's a great value for young folks in the history. 
of this church. There are names from the past. The things that they stood for. The things that they did that you need to know. We don't need to know about their mistakes, but we need to know about their righteous deeds. Those are the things we need to know. When I used to talk about the farm we lived in on, on when I was, I was I was like you, David. I was maybe I was ten when we moved to Florida, and I would talk about the farm we lived on in Mississippi, like it was the Ponderosa. My dad would say in that disdain of the farm, he would say, "You only remember the good days." And I want to tell you, we've got plenty of good days in the church. And those are the things that we need to record for history. And you need to be part of that. If you're here today and you've never been saved, today would be a great day to get saved. A great day. I don't know who is and who Everybody here may be. And that's wonderful. If everybody here is saved, glory to God. That's wonderful. But if you're not saved, I want you to know that God wants you to be. That's the reason Christ went to the cross, so He could become your sin on the tree. The rest of the world won't tell you that, but the church will. He hung there and died because He had to deal with my sin. But He got up again. And He ever liveth just to make intercession for me and for you. We serve a great Savior. And if you're here today and you are saved, you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. You, you know it beyond better than anything else you know. I know my name is written there. But there might be something that you need to get right about. You see, I, I think this. I think this. I believe this. That if the Holy Ghost has moved inside of you, and He did when you got saved, you automatically know if there's something between you and God. And I think this. The closer your walk is with God, the closer your accounting will be of your need to be right with God. How about we stand to our feet? My pastor, he always said, now everybody bow your head, close your eyes, nobody looking around. And that's okay. But I like to do it this way. I like to just say, somebody please go to the piano and play something. And if you're here this morning, God may have spoken to your heart back when we were singing. It might have been when we were praying. It might be when we were preaching. But God spoke to your heart about something. It might have been about salvation. You may need to get saved today. 
Or you may just need to come get in this altar and pray about something that you need to talk about to God. It doesn't necessarily have to be about sin. It might be it might be about something you think God is talking to you about and you just want clarity about it. You might want to come this morning while we linger. Just a little while for you.